Aaron, Aaron Simmons, everyone. I want to know if, yes. I want to know if chitty chat chatting is one word, two words, three words, what that is. Chitty chat chatting. Maybe three. I wasn't nervous. I just had to pee. Jeez. I do get a little edgy each Sunday. I'm not going to lie. I'm like, okay. I get excited, okay? But uh, here, was, here is the issue. It has been a very, very um, fun but long weekend. So I, I'm the type, I get all my notes together. I plan messages a couple weeks out. The week of, I start honing in. I start developing maybe more of like an outline, scriptures, kind of tying it all in. Then I use the weekend to, to finish, finish the deal, all right, to close the deal, especially Saturday nights, Sunday mornings, okay? So this, I knew that I was taking my daughter to the national championship volleyball game last night in Columbus. Ton of fun, okay? So I'm like, okay, so I will take my laptop to my daughter's basketball game yesterday. So I, get, I had a, a live thing I had to do with Leif Hetland, and uh, so I left a microphone plugged into my laptop. So I grabbed the laptop. It wasn't plugged into the power source. I get to the game. I was at 4%. I'm like, ah. Okay, that's okay. I still have an hour window when I get home from the basketball game to work on this message, to finalize it, get it all ready, and I'll be ready for the morning. And then, um, so Nicole, we drove together. Nicole's like, and my daughter has to stay for the next game, the eighth grade game, just to honor them and, and respect them. So anyways, Nicole goes home with, with her parents and then uh, gets home, texts me. She's like, I have the car keys with me. So now I had to wait an extra long time at the basketball game. I had a dead laptop. I couldn't work on the message. We get home at 1 a.m. last night, and I'm like, should I work on it tonight or in the morning? So it was morning. So anyway, that's been, uh, we went to King and Country Friday night. We got home about 1 a.m. It was awesome. It was fun in Columbus, and last night was like another 1 a.m. get home late. Uh, so anyway, I'm, I'm excited to be here. Merry Christmas. It's a fun, fun day, um, and I loved, if you came in 10 minutes late, you missed the entire kids program, <laughs> and it was awesome, and uh, man, it was so good. Thanks for whoever coordinated that and led that and did that. Uh, it was really phenomenal and precious, and um, I heard a voice as they were uh, rehearsing and practicing before church, and I went to Andrew. I was like, is that a track? Are they, is that a background track of that little vocal? And he's like, no, it's Zoe. I was like, oh, that is precious. So that was so cool. Anyway, uh, it was good. Hey, just a few things. We do have our candlelight. I know we did announcements, but just to highlight a few things, and we want to make sure you can't say, I didn't see the announcement video. I wasn't paying attention. The guy next to me was telling me he was nervous and had to go pee. <laughs> so anyway, um, Christmas Eve service, candlelight. It's a one-hour thing here, 8 to 9 uh, p.m. Uh, Christmas Eve. Next Sunday. Everybody say next Sunday. It is not going to be what you expect or the same. It is a virtual service, and we're watching, we are having a watch party here for anybody uh, who doesn't want to stay at home, especially if you're alone or you don't have family or friends to hang out with and watch this together. The idea was that we give our staff a little break and that we can stay at home with our families and uh, do virtual church like some people get to do on a regular basis and, uh, and do that. So, But we want to make sure Josh and Angie will be hosting a watch party live here at 10 a.m. next week. So if you want to come, come hang out, be a part of it live. We'll watch it on the big screen. You'll watch it on the big screen. I'm so excited to sit in my PJs, sleep in, and drink coffee while I watch church next Sunday for the first time ever. Okay, I'm excited for that. I've yet to get to do that. I've watched it from the beach. 
I've watched it while traveling or in the car speaking elsewhere, but I've never watched it in the, in the comfort of my own home. So excited for that. And then we are doing a one-hour prayer and worship night. I don't even know if this made the announcement video yet, but one-hour prayer and worship New Year's Eve. So on New Year's Eve, one hour, 4 to 5 p.m. New Year's Eve. Uh, let's end the year right, okay? All right. Let's tell the Christmas story. Can we do that? All right, if you've been with us the last few weeks, uh, we have read different excerpts of the Christmas story, talking about Mary, talking about the shepherds, the wise men. Uh, so I'm going to kind of finish some of that up uh, today. And then Christmas Eve night, we're going to just focus on adoration. Oh, come let us adore Jesus, the Savior. So we're going to talk about adoration. Uh, next week, we're excited. You're going to get to watch a message that I had. I feel especially um, probably more anointed than it is currently just because I still had a mustache then. So you will see a man with a mustache on the video next week. So anyway, I forget what I spoke on, just to be really honest with you. I think I remember, but I'm not going to give it away. So anyway, uh, we come to the Christmas story here, and uh, I won't keep you long, only an hour or two today. Um, it's not going to be that bad. So we come to the Christmas story, and I just, we read from Luke 2, and we read the version where the shepherds find the baby in the manger. We, we read that a few weeks ago, and we talked about worship first. And we talked about how the wise men, before they gave gifts, they worshiped. And we talked about the shepherds, as they left, they praised. And, and there was something that happens when we meet Jesus, we leave changed. When we encounter Jesus, we don't return the same way. We're going to elaborate on that a little bit today. Like there is something that happens that where when we encounter the true, loving, living, hope-filled, powerful Jesus Christ, we are not the same. So the, the shepherds, they left praising. They, they went and told everybody. I'd like to challenge you to think they were the first evangelists ever. They met Jesus, and all of a sudden it says they told everybody about him, and then they left praising. They returned to their flocks, and they praised. And, and what's amazing is they had this encounter with Jesus, right, so, so powerful that they wanted to tell everybody about him, and they did. But then they returned to their everyday life. It's amazing that some people, like, we think the only calling is on this stage or, or in pastoralship or, or whatever, but Jesus has called you to something really special. And, and I want to let you know, like, he's called the wise men and the most intelligent people on the planet to encounter him, but also the most average, outcast, uh, looked down upon people on this planet, too. The shepherd, the role of shepherd was actually this, the lowest of occupations of that time. They were outcasts in the communities. They stunk. There was a reason they would just go out by themselves and stay alone looking after the flocks. It was not this prestigious job. We think, oh, a shepherd, he's a caretaker. He's making sure things are taken care of. No, actually, it was dirty. It was nasty. They'd have to hike on cliffs and through mountains and all of this stuff. And they literally were looked down upon. It was not an educated uh, position or career or vocation. But yet Jesus called them and they were the first ones out in the public to really see him. If we look at the story and we look in detail, like I mentioned last week, when the wise men found him, they found a child, probably a toddler. But when the shepherds found him, they found a baby. It's this amazing thing that, that yet when they encountered him, they were so transformed, but they took that transformation. They took what was inside of them and released it to the world around them and then returned to their everyday vocation, their everyday lives, their everyday grocery stores, their everyday car rides, their everyday encounters with people out in public, right? This was the, the, the thing. So it's this fun story to where like they, they left and told everybody, I, I want to have an encounter with Jesus so powerful that I want to tell everybody about him. When I get a new car, I tell people. 
When, when I go to a doctor and I feel better, I tell people, right? When I experience something fun, when I go to a national championship game last night, there was 18,744 people in Nationwide Arena, and it went all five sets. It was exciting. I'm going to tell people about that. Chloe and I are like fist bumping, high-fiving. We didn't even know who to root for, and we didn't care. On the way there, we're like, who are we rooting for? We got, we got a few options here. We can do Wisconsin, who we watched the Final Four game. We could do Nebraska, just because we don't know them. We could do both and just go back and forth, or we can just violently root for good games. What do you want to do? So let's wait to see when we get there and see what the crowd is around us, and then we'll decide. <laughs> She's like, and then we'll see what we, we like and what we see a few things. She mentioned one thing. So, so, so all of a sudden, we're like, all right, Wisconsin it is. So we start rooting for Wisconsin, right? So then it, they, Nebraska wins a set, and then Wisconsin wins a set. It went like six or so extra points because it was so close. And then all of a sudden, Wisconsin wins a second one. I'm like, we got to go five sets here. Let's start. Now we're Nebraska fans. Cornhuskers, here we go. And we totally flopped, and we were not like Nebraska. And every time they score a point, we go wild, right? And then it went to the fifth set, and it was so fun. But at any rate, we're going to tell people about this. I want an encounter with Jesus so powerful that I want to exploit him and his goodness and his power and his love and his mercy. So let's carry on. I'm going to read a lot of scripture here. Matthew 1. We're going to start verse 18. Back in the sound room, I was getting some things ready and giving them the final kind of verses that had changed. And I was like, you guys are welcome. I just cut out and pasted into another note like 15 minutes of content. I was like, we're going to shorten it today, boys. You're welcome. So we'll stick to the hour instead of the two. This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you will name him Jesus, for he will save the people from their sins. Amen. I was a rotten sinner, but now I'm saved and redeemed by grace in Jesus. Amen? How many else are with me there? Yep. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through who? His prophet. We're going to talk about prophecy for here a little bit. It says, look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to her son, and they shall call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, we're going to read a set of scriptures here, and it's continually confirming the prophecies of the old. It's continually, you're going to see prophecies from, from Isaiah, from Jeremiah. You're going to see Hosea referenced here in a little bit. So, so there's this thing to where we need to honor the prophets. I'll get there in a minute, but God is still speaking today. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife, but he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. God is more concerned about intimacy and heart connection and relationship than he is about physical, like, things. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. Now, now these wise men, also magi, or magi, uh, they were actually astrologers. They were astrologists. They were, they were very, very educated men. 
okay? And, and so what happens is they're seeing the signs, they, and they're focusing, and, and they are in tune with what the prophets had said. Really smart people were in tune with what the prophets had said and predicted. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, and, and was and was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting in the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people. What's amazing is the king had listened to the prophets of where, but not who was being born. We can sometimes miss the, the actual, the point of the message. The king was fighting for, for greed, was fighting for finances, was fighting for authority and rule, right? But a Messiah, a king was being born to rule and reign the entire earth for eternity. So he listened to know where the Messiah was being born, but not that he was actually the Messiah. We can sometimes miss the mark just a little bit. And how many know when you miss that mark on that compass, it takes you way off track eventually? Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time in which the star first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child, and when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go worship him too. Liar. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where their child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with what? Joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, and they bowed down and worshiped him. The first thing at the sight, at the revelation, at the experience of Jesus, they bow down in awe, and they adore him and worship him. Then they opened their treasure chest and gave the gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. These are very symbolic. Gold is, is gift to a king. You know, frankincense, the, the, these things, and myrrh, they're, they're things used in embalming uh, uh, to a dead body. Or, or incense that is burned in honor or in worship or also in, uh, in the process. So they're basically here, the, the gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and myrrh were also prophetic of the king going to the cross, dying, being crucified, and raising from the dead with, for, for us. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route. Now that's, it is so good to see you, Sylvia. You just caught my eye. She was sick and wasn't here, was in the hospital even briefly for a moment. And yeah, good to see you. Yay, Jesus. Yeah. Squirrel. <laughs> for God has warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. Now, I'm, I'm going to continue on here for several more verses. But here's the point. So far, we've had an angelic visitation. We've had dreams and visions. We've had prophecies. And we've had signs, wonders, and miracles. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I'm pretty much open to that still today. If it was good enough for the shepherds and it was good enough for the wise men, I think it's still good enough and powerful for us as sons and daughters and believers to, to know that prophecy is alive today, to know that God still speaks today, that he still uses signs, wonders, and miracles to love on his sons and daughters and to reveal his nature and also to encounter us with, with angels. Well, that's weird. Yeah, it is weird. But we're a peculiar people. After the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, flee to Egypt with the child and his mother. The angel said, stay there until I tell you to return because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. That night, again, 
We need to tune in, folks. God's speaking. Imagine if they, had, if they had not heard, if they had not listened, if they had not submitted. I don't know who's texting me. People know I preach on Sunday mornings. It's usually you people messing with me. That night, Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary his mother, and they stayed there until Herod's death. This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet. I called my son out of Egypt, Hosea. Herod was furious when he realized that the wise men had outwitted him. He sent soldiers to kill all the boys in around Bethlehem who were two years old and under. Based on the wise men's report of the star's first appearance, Herod's brutal action fulfilled what God had spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. A cry was heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning. Rachel weeps for her children, refusing to be comforted for all, for they are dead. We're living in rough times right now in our world. There's been tragic, there's been so many different bad things. But could you imagine living in this time? Those of you who have sons, those of you who have brothers, those of you, I mean, who have nephews, every child was brutally killed, every boy. That so much so that you could hear the cries of women throughout the land. It's amazing what greed will do to somebody or the fight for authority or power. It's amazing what it did to the king who was competing with Jesus rather than just honoring him as Messiah. When Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. <laughs> Joseph the dreamer, thank you, Jesus, right? Like literally, no pun intended there, thank you, Jesus. Get up, the angel said, take the child and his mother back to the land of Israel because those who were trying to kill the child are dead. So Joseph got up and returned to the land of Israel with Jesus and his mother. But when he learned that the new ruler of Judea was Herod's son, Archelaus, he was afraid to go there. Then after being warned in a dream, he left for the region of Galilee. So the family went and lived in a place called Nazareth. This fulfilled what the prophets had said, he will be called a Nazarene. Now, that's the bulk of the scripture today, okay? That's the Christmas story, and we usually stop when Jesus is born and the wise men find him, but Joseph continually to be in tune with what the Lord was saying and the, and the, and the foretelling and the warnings and the things that are happening. And it's this amazing story that if he had not listened, if he had not been in tune with Holy Spirit and what the Lord was saying, the dreams to say, now go here. Nope, don't go there now, go here. It protected Jesus' life literally so that he could one day go to a cross and die for you and I's sins and be resurrected to life for eternity to welcome us there with him. Now, I, I have a, a couple points here. So God is still speaking. What is he speaking today? What, what, is, what is his narrative in all of this? We, we think we have rough times, and we do, but I'm telling you, there is a persecuted church out there that, that doesn't handle candlestick to what we've been going through, even in our own woes, some more than others. But, but the deal is this, God is speaking. There is a narrative. There is, God is still speaking, and in, and in my opinion, it's really the same message. It's really the same then as it is now. It's the same now as it was then. Jesus saves. Jesus is Savior. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the Redeemer. Jesus is the Healer. Jesus is the Deliverer. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Jesus is the Head. That's what he's speaking. It doesn't change. The circumstance change. Culture changes, right? Times change. Generations change. It's funny, though. I saw a quote from uh, President Roosevelt, and it was like, this next generation I'm worried about. 
They're lazy. They don't have work ethic. They're not loyal. <laughs> they're easily distracted. It was like going through this list of things, and it didn't say who it was initially. And you're thinking, yeah, this is a quote to millennials, right? And it was like, Roosevelt. I was like, oh, we're all saying this about the next generation, right? Our grandparents probably said this about us, and our great-grandparents said it about our parents, etc. But the deal is this. Jesus doesn't change. Him being savior to the world does not change in all of humanity or all of history or all problems or trials. He is the answer. Jesus himself is the gift. He's the gift to the people around us. He's the gift to the hopelessness. He is the gift to America. He is the answer to Australia and Canada and all of the craziness that's going on. He's the answer. He's the solution. Let let me move on. So we're talking about prophecies and we're talking about the signs. Isaiah 7, 14 says this, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name, what? Emmanuel. This was referenced. He shall, she shall give birth, a virgin will give birth. Mary will give birth to a son and he shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. So there's these signs and, and there's 300 prophecies that occurred of Jesus' birth and how it was going to happen in the word. 300 prophecies prior to Jesus coming to the earth. And, and I've referenced this several times here and throughout the years, but I was at a conference once and John Bevere was speaking and I'll never forget this. Now, of course, I had to go back and research it and find the data and I didn't write it down. But it's this amazing study and it's the National Science Council studied the 300 po- prophecies. It's a Peter Stone study. So, Let's talk about science. Is it okay if we talk about science in here? Because it's not like the movie, you only believe in science. That was funnier than what you guys let on, okay? What's that movie? What's the movie? Nacho Libre, come on! Nacho! If you guys want to waste time and watch a stupid movie, if you've not seen it, you have to see it. There comes a point in time, these wrestlers, Zach's saying no. No, no, watch it. It's great. And then you're going to get the end of watching it for the first time. You'll be like, why did he say watch this? Then you're going to watch it a second time. Then you're going to start quoting it and think, that was the funniest movie I've ever seen. Just like most of the movies out there. So anyway, it's these two wrestlers. And, and... The main guy, Jack Black, I'm going to tell you about it, okay? Because it seemed like the majority of you live in a hole and didn't watch this movie. (laughs) So the wrestlers, and he comes from a a Catholic orphanage or or an orphanage, and then he finds his partner, and and he doesn't believe in Jesus, and he's like, I'm concerned for your salvation. You only believe in science. And he, like, starts baptizing him. Anyway. So there's a lot of talk about science going on in our world right now, so let's talk about some science. All right, the chances of a human fulfilling just eight of these 300 prophecies is one in 10 to the 17th power, just eight of them. Now I'm gonna go through these, it's gonna be quick though. That's one with 17 zeros behind it. That's equal to silver dollars filling Texas two feet deep. Suppose that we take that all right, and we just take it one little step further, okay? And it would be the equivalent to taking those, this same number would be equivalent to taking that many quarters. They would fill Texas two feet up. We literally parachute a person in randomly and he gets one pick at all those quarters and he picks that quarter out. That is the equivalent to just eight of these prophecies being fulfilled. 
Next, let's, let's go to 16. That is one to 10 to the 45th power, okay? More than twice. That would be those quarters wrapping around the moon and our planet 5.5 billion miles in length. Okay, let's, let's take it one more forward, just 48. If 48 of these prophecies were true and they were in the equivalent, it would be 10 to the 157th power. Okay, any math? Where's Micah? He has a math degree. I should just let him read this. At any rate, 48 would be 10 to the 157th power. If they were in the way of electrons, it would take 6 billion years to even count them. 300 prophecies confirming, using science through this study of Jesus' birth, the way that it was foretelled by 300 prophecies. Now, I don't believe in, like, science or certain data because I took statistics once in college, and I learned you can just view anything you want and present it the way you want. But I believe in something that has numbers that can't even go out that far, that it, the truth of the prophecies of Jesus is coming and how he was brought to this earth. And if you don't believe that, <laughs> we're fools. Wise men of that time believed it and they followed the signs and they followed and they found Jesus. I hope we're wise today and we still follow the signs and find Jesus today. So Isaiah 9, 6 or 7, this is where we're gonna land. Is it cool? I'm not closing yet, okay? Let me be very clear. You're like, is this closing? No, I am not closing. Nicole, last week, she's like, you said you were closing. You brought Andrew up, and he was up there another 15 minutes. This is not a closing. This is uh, intro to my closing. <laughs> Isaiah 9, 6 through 7. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government, the what? shall be upon his what? And his name shall be called. Everybody? Everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. Of the what? Increase of the government and peace there shall be what? No end. There is no end to God's increase. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord host will perform this. This is the prophet Isaiah saying this 700 years before Jesus is coming. There will be unto us a child is born, right? The government will be upon his shoulders. He shall be called these things. Now, let me go through, it, through, through a few points. God's, Jesus was promised, and God's promises are always fulfilled. Let, let me just say that. Let me, let me elaborate on this for a little bit. His promises are yes and amen. And we, you, your family, your children, there are promises and there are prophecies on behalf of your children. There are decrees and declarations on behalf of your children, and his promises are yes and amen. And we get nervous while they're growing up in this time. Well, I guess they were born for such a time as this. We're not worried that the time they're growing up in, we're <laughs> we just need to get Jesus in them so Jesus can get out of them, to change the world around them. So the promises are yes and amen. They're, they're, they never come and return void. His promises are yes and amen. We, we get worried. We're like, well, no, his promises are always yes and amen. It may not just look like the way we think it should look, or it may not be the timing we think it should be. 
But let me just say this, all things work to the good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And what the enemy, Genesis, and now I'm quoting Genesis, that was Romans 8. Genesis 50, what the enemy means for destruction, God will use for what? Good, his promises are yes and amen. Second point, I'm doing points today. First point, God's promises are always fulfilled. Second point, he is who you need him to be. He is wonderful, counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, and what? Prince of Peace. I referenced, Brett's like, Brett texted me this week. He's like, you reference God has 950 titles. Can you send me something? I was like, boom, here's the link. 951 titles, natures, wills of God. These are just a few. He is who you need him to be in every season that you go through. If you're sick, he is a healer. If you don't yet know him, he is a savior. If you're having marital problems, he's the Prince of Peace and the Mighty Counselor. He is who you need him to be. He is your provider. Everything that we go through in life, every, he became perfect theology. He became the demonstration of everything we're ever gonna face. He did not face anything. I love that about Jesus. He came as an average person. He didn't come on, on some ivory throne. He came in a manger. We painted this picture last week. If you missed it, catch it. It's called Open House. He came in this manger as an average, through an average Joe. See what I did there? I'm, I'm finding myself funnier today than you are. <laughs> I guess that's just the typical dad jokes, right? But anyway, he came through as an average person, and then he lived a life of persecution, of rejection. Uh, and, and that's how his life started, rejection. Sorry, there's no room here. He started, even before he was born, with rejection. We, we get rejected or, or something. We're standing in line to see the Troy Christmas tree lighting, and we were like three people. We waited for an hour in this line, and there was three people in front of us, and they ran out of hot chocolate. I was so heartbroken for my kids. I was like, hmm. Like, sometimes that's a bad day for us. Are you kidding me? Like, seriously. Jesus came, like, for real rejection, real persecution, and then he never faced anything we're not going to face Inequality, those things Jesus faced, and he became the example of how to conquer them, how to, how to respond in grace, how to respond in love, how to respond in power. He healed people. He showed his love to his sons and daughters. He demonstrated mercy and grace, and then he paid the ultimate price for you and I. Let me, let me carry on here, because the next point is government is on his shoulders. I want to dwell on this and just touch on some touchy things for a minute. If you're like me, the last year and a half really started with the commercials like two years ago. <laughs> Election 2020. I got consumed by this. I got frustrated by this. I got angry with the injustices. I got angry with the information. I got, I got totally ticked off. I'm not saying all that's bad. There is a righteous anger that's good that compels us to do things about it and pray and intercede and, and do those things. And there's some things that we have within our control to be the difference and the hope to the hopeless around us. Christ in us, what? The hope of glory, right? So I'm not, I'm not saying that, but what I'm saying is my focus went there rather than that the government's actually on his shoulders and he's the head. There's this thing that his government looks way different than our government, and I'm, I'm not talking about U.S. government and U.S. politics. I'm talking about we are citizens of heaven, and his government goes way beyond any one nation. His government goes way beyond Republicans, Democrats, and a Tea Party. 
His government extends way beyond this, this four-year term or, or whatever it may be. His government looks way different than what we get worried about. And then all of a sudden, we diminish God when it says there's no end to his increase, and then our problems get bigger as we diminish Jesus because our focus and our hope or, or whatever is in a government or a man rather than the man, Jesus. Let, let, me, let me just wrap this up before I make all of you walk out. It's exclusive, though, and we get to be officials in this government because we're citizens of heaven. So what does the government look like? What does the heaven government look like? It looks like a family. It looks like Jesus. It looks like the Prince of Peace. His government looks like the Prince of Peace. His government looks like the mighty counselor. His government looks like a beautiful bride who actually loves one another, even if they go to a different church or a different denomination. <laughs> His government actually looks like unity and honor. His government actually looks like, like, like this beautiful thing where a body gets to come together and a government actually facilitates the gifts in the body to do what they're supposed to do and not get jealous of one another or jealous of this church that's growing bigger or, or this person that got that promotion or this person that got that new car or house. His government looks totally different than where we're now. We don't stumble over who somebody's not. We get to celebrate who they are. The government of God is way different because he gets to be the head and we don't have to be. He wants to establish his government according to the standards of heaven. Let me finish this last point. Whoever's doing band, you can come. I think I'm approaching closing. <laughs> I think I'm getting there. I'm totally getting there. It's this amazing thing where righteousness is not a set of rules and justice isn't punishment. Righteousness is actually an invitation to be like Jesus. Righteousness is not a set of rules. Holiness is not a set of rules. And justice is a punishment. Literally, this is an invitation to be in love with the King of Kings. This is an invitation to be in love with the Messiah, to be in love with the Savior. And then all of a sudden, out of love comes righteousness. Out of love comes holiness. Out of love comes this life that wants to be pleasing to the Lord. <laughs> Otherwise, we're in a performance system and it's not truly His grace that saves. Righteousness is literally just right standing with the Lord. It's doing our best ability within, him, within us to be right in his eyes. Sin is just falling short. That's all it is. Doing or not doing what pleases the Lord. That's all sin is. Sin is just missing the mark. Sin is not living up to who God called and created you to be. That's all sin is. So when we walk outside of that, we're now no longer walking in our identity. We're walking in the enemy's lies about our lives. This is going down a weird rabbit trail, but we look at this and we think, man, the, but the government of heaven, it's not this perfect world. <laughs> it is perfect in God, but we are not perfect people, so anytime we're involved in it, all of a sudden it's imperfect. This church is not perfect, but it is the perfect bride of Jesus because he's here, if that makes any sense. Righteousness is, is our attempt to please the Father, and when we fall short, all of a sudden, there's grace. Grace does not give us permission to mess up. It gives us a, a, a love to lift us up when we do. Grace is not this legal permission to just do whatever we want. Grace is literally the empowerment of a grace in our life to please the Father. All right, let me, let me move on. The last point is there is no end in his increase. Okay, no end in his increase. For all you note takers out there I see you he came to seek and save that which was lost now 
Like if you think about some of the scriptures that talk about all the cattle, all the hills, right? Jesus owns them all. God owns them all. I was, I was getting ready, through the wise men, I was gonna do a message called Time, Talent, Treasure. Through all of this, I was adding that in. That's what I took out. And, and part of that, I'll get there in probably a few weeks, all right? But part of that is, and the treasure is, it's a value system change. And all of a sudden, when we realize none of it's ours, our entire value system changes and our prosperity is linked to actually our generosity. It's, it's this amazing thing to where when our value system changes, so when we start to understand God's government, when we start to understand God's kingdom and how big his kingdom is, how big the cosmos is, we, we are significant in the eyes of God, but we're just a tiny speck in this world. It's this amazing, beautiful thing. There is no end to his increase. Think about that. They are still finding planets and galaxies. That's how big God is, and he created it all. Not through some poof of air, not through fish crawling out. No, there were six days where God in his infinite wisdom created all of humanity and everything within it. And he created it in seed form so that we could multiply just like a tree. Let me, let me finish this so that Matt's not up here 20 minutes. His grace is sufficient for all needs. There is no end to that. His love, nothing separates us from his love. No depth, nor height, principalities, dark, all of this. Nothing separates us from his love. There is no end to his love. There is no end to his forgiveness. There is no end to his healing. I was once a cessationist until I saw miracles. <laughs> I believed in Jesus. I didn't believe in the signs, wonders, and miracles because I wasn't seeing any. Hadn't seen any. We'd talk about it, we'd sing about it, but I never saw a person get healed. I never saw a prophecy be so relevant to somebody's heart that it totally changes the trajectory of that person in the future. I'm telling you today that Jesus, as much as he did it then to reach the wise men, to reach Joseph, the signs, wonders, miracles, and angelic visitations, prophecies, all of these things, right? He doesn't stop. There is no end to his increase. And just like we read last week in John, greater works will do because he goes to the Father on our behalf. That's a great promise. It says, ask anything in my name and I'll do it. Will you stand with me? It truly is a closing. Jesus is the greatest gift and unto us a child was born. Unto us a savior was born. His promises are yes and amen. He is who we need him to be. The government is literally, the system, the world is on his shoulders where he's the head. And there's no end to his increase. We sometimes minimize Jesus to a picture in a manger scene. She thought it was beautiful, Chloe. I don't even know if she's in here. No, she had CIA today. Jesus isn't still in a manger. <laughs> we minimize Jesus, then we increase our problems. We increase our hopelessness. We increase our devastation, our outlook on life, our outlook on the world, our outlook on America, our outlook on our own problems, our outlook on our brothers and our sisters and our neighbors. If we diminish Jesus and he's still in a manger, our problems increase. If we diminish Jesus where he's still on a cross, our hopelessness increases. But Jesus isn't still in a manger. 
He's not still on a cross and he wasn't found in a grave, he's alive. And he's still hope to the world. He's still the hope to our issues. He's still the hope to my sin, to myself falling short every day. He's still the good news. He's still the savior. He's still the healer. And there is no end to that. And he will never stop saving. He will never stop healing. He will never stop delivering until his return. He won't. There's no end to that. His love just doesn't, well, there's this much of the pie. This is what we talk about at work with the, with the government budget. Speaking of government, work at a fire department. There is a pie. And many of us think that pie should be, or it just will miraculously increase. No, 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 it's not going to increase. There is a pie. But that's not God. I don't know what to say right now that's funny to make that pie go away. But it's like the endless Kim Pao peanut butter pie that never stops. She's here today, I can say it. It's, it, it. There's no pie. There's no, like, even if you think about it, forgiveness and where that is, it says as, as far as the east is to the west, there's no measurement of that. He just continually forgives. As far as it says that we'll be forgiven on the bottom and those sins are buried on the bottom of an ocean floor. I, I studied that once. I don't know if you're weird, you hear those things, you're like, I wanna know what that is. What is the deepest part of the ocean? Anybody else studied that? I did, it's called the Challenger Deep. And it's miles and miles and miles down. They cannot even have equipment that's, that's advanced enough to get down that far. It's so dark, they can't see. There's creatures down there they don't even know about. And thank God, because I don't want my sins found out. If you think about it, there is no end to his increase. He came to seek and save that which was lost. Not just who, but that. And I just feel like this season, the enemy's trying to steal, kill, and destroy. But we have the right as sons and daughters to cancel the enemy's assignment, to rebuke his devourers, how the word words that. To rebuke the enemy's devourer. We, we have a right to say, no, not, not today, Satan. Last week as we left church and we, we prayed for some things, some more sickness started to develop. Some couple other people were diagnosed with COVID. My sister and her family got in a pretty bad car accident. She's still recovering with a concussion at home right now. Doing word puzzles and stuff. <laughs> she sent us a picture of it yesterday. I zoomed in and I was like, I started finding words she hadn't found yet and sent it back. <laughs> I was like, found one, Ann Arbor. <laughs> it was cities that start with A, if you're wondering. Anyway, there's these tragedies, right? There's these distractions. And many of us through the last two years, we're approaching two years on this pandemic. We're a couple months shy of two years. I flew back three weeks from today from Norway and they're checking my temperature and asking if I had been in, in China and all these things. We, we are almost two years away. These two years have, have been silly, have been hard. I've been crazy, you can't even put words to it. You can't put, you can't explain it. So thank God I have a promise of his peace that goes beyond understanding, beyond comprehension, beyond explanation. That is no end to his increase, peace, hope, joy. He came to seek and save that which was lost, not just who. So I'd love to pray for you today. And we're gonna, we have a prayer team that will pray specific things and pray for healing, marriages, whatever you may need. But I wanna offer you the greatest gift on the planet today, whether you're watching online or you're here today. Maybe you came to see somebody perform or a kid or something. Like, that's awesome. But God, just like it says, they didn't have sexual relations until Jesus was born. God cares about your heart. He wants relationship with you. 
He doesn't just want the benefits. He wants the relationship. He wants your heart. He wants intimacy. And let me just tell you, fellas, intimacy is different than sex. He wants the romance. He wants the divine romance. He wants, he wants the relationship. He wants to woo you. He wants to love on you. He wants to be loved by you. Let me just pray for you. I'd love for us to open up our heart the Sunday before Christmas to the greatest gift that was ever gifted to this earth, Jesus. And he is who you need him to be right in this moment, right today and beyond. Savior, healer, deliverer, mighty one, prince of peace, father to the fatherless, friend, closer than brother. So Lord, I just thank you for this day. I thank you for you. We thank you that you are the gift Science literally, statistically proves that you are who you say you are and you came the way you promised and you're still coming today the way you promised. You do not leave us in need. You do not leave us or forsake us. You promised you would never leave us as orphans. We are not slaves, Lord. We are sons and daughters and we thank you for being savior to this world. We thank you for being savior to me in your own way, just begin to, to thank him for who he is to you right now. Just for a moment, just begin to just adore him. And Lord, we thank you for being Prince of Peace. I thank you for being my provider, for being my provision. I thank you for grace. I thank you for mercy when I didn't deserve it. Thank you for your love. I thank you for signs, wonders, and miracles, for visions, for dreams, for prophecies, Lord, for, for continual miracles, Lord, for prophecies, Lord. Let us hear what you're saying. Let us hear your narrative. Let us dwell on you, Lord, and let the government and the issues and everything, the system, be on your shoulders. Let us trust you, Jesus, as you're the head. As you're the head. you're calling us to be ambassadors and change agents so Lord we want to change the world around us so change something within us Lord, we thank you Jesus we thank you for being born we thank you Lord we thank you Jesus we pray that there's reconciliation in families this week we pray that it's, it's good. We pray that, Lord, even those who are lonely or have lost family members recently or in past years, Lord, that this isn't a difficult thing, but, but Lord, that you will comfort them that's beyond uh, just natural comfort, that you will comfort supernaturally, Lord, that you will give peace beyond explanation or understanding, God. Lord, put a hunger in us to want more of you. Put a hunger in us, Lord, to desire you. Put a hunger in us, just like the shepherds, to seek you out, to find you, and tell everybody about you, and be transformed to where we're wanting to just worship and praise all the time. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Just do your thing today. Wow. Can we just praise him for a second? We thank you, Jesus. We thank you. I, I want to offer an invitation. If you need prayer for anything, our prayer team is going to come now. If you need prayer for anything, but I, I'm telling you this. Around 14 years ago, I gave my heart to Jesus and actually met a real Jesus. 
I was an atheist. I had turned atheist. I had turned hard. I had, I had an alcohol problem, a pornography addiction problem because I didn't know a real Jesus. He wasn't who I needed him to be in that season of my life, but God. And suddenly something changed in me and I encountered tangibly, physically encountered a Messiah that transformed me forever to the end of this earth or I die. And I'm telling you that invitation just as it was gifted to us, to the earth through Mary and Joseph through God. And he died and he resurrected for you and I. That same invitation exists today. And if you don't know Jesus as Messiah or Savior, this is your invitation. If you're online and you don't know, please accept him in your heart right now. Ask forgiveness and boom, this starts a new day for you. It starts the greatest day of your life. So if you don't know Jesus or you don't know him intimately like that, or, or maybe you've just started pondering some of this, we would love for you to come up front and get prayer and say, I, I want the full thing. I, I want all of Jesus. I want him to consume my life. I want him to fill my heart. I want him to forgive my past. I want, I want him to see my destiny, not just my history, right? I want him to fill me up with his Holy Spirit. I, I, I want to have gifts. I, I want to operate. I want to go. I want to be like the shepherds and tell everybody about him. I want to praise him all the days of my life. Or if you're online and, and you don't know what this next step looks like, I just want to encourage you, just type in a comment right now and we will engage and we will invite you into that and, and, and show you what's next. So we love you. Merry Christmas. Everybody say that. Merry Christmas. You're invited to come up if you want prayer. Bless you guys.